Hello, good morning or good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the first ever Tag One Team Talk. Uh, this is Preston So speaking to you loud and clear from New York City. Uh, I'm the contributing editor to Tag One Consulting, and it's my pleasure today to uh, jump into a deep dive into real-time collaboration tools. I'm joined by three guests today. Uh, first and foremost, I want to introduce my partner in crime, uh, Michael Myers, the managing director at Tag One Consulting. I'm also joined by two folks from around the globe. Uh, we've got Fabian Franz, senior technical architect and performance lead, as well as Kevin Jans, creator of YJS, a key contributor to real-time collaboration projects and a maintainer of open source projects. So I wanted to start off by introducing ourselves one by one, and then we'll jump into what Tech One Consulting is all about and get into some of these meaty topics we've got for today. Uh, my name is Preston. I'm the uh, principal product manager at Gatsby.js, as well as contributing editor to Tag One Consulting. Mike, you want to go next? Sure. Uh, Mike Myers, managing director of Tag One Consulting. Um, have 20 years of experience working in technology, managing and running teams. I've been working with Tag One uh, first as a client for over a decade uh, and joined the team about two years ago. Hey, so I'm Kevin Jans. Um, I live in Berlin, Germany. Um, I'm the creator of YJS, open source framework for real-time collaborative editing. And because of that, I got many interesting opportunities to work for uh, really cool, uh, interesting companies uh, on real-time editing. And they mainly use my framework and need uh, feedback or um, help to de deliver a great product. And currently, I'm really happy to work for Tech One and one of the Fortune 150 companies um, to make that happen. Thanks, Kevin. Pleasure to have you with us. And Fabian? Hey, my name is Fabian Franz. And um, at Tech One, as you already said, I'm a senior technical architect. I really enjoy architecting large websites and making them really fast. And I'm so excited about real-time collaboration because I think real-time kind of is the future of the web. Um, there'll be also a DrupalCon presentation um, slightly related to that topic in Amsterdam. And um, besides that, I'm a Drupal Core 7 maintainer uh, right now and um, working with Tech One is just fun. And we've known each other for a long time, Fabian. Um, well, perfect. Uh, I think uh, first thing we want to do, though, is you know set the stage a little bit. Um, why, what exactly is Tag One, and 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 why are we all here in this room? Um, from what I understand, Mike, it's a you know uh, you you all are the emergency support and rescue and performance and security experts. Can you tell us a little bit about Tag One Consulting and what you're all about? Definitely. Uh, so we're the company you turn to uh, when you have difficult and challenging problems to solve. We build mission-critical, highly scalable, highly available, and secure applications uh, for companies like Symantec. We've worked for them for over a decade. Uh, we uh, manage and build their infrastructure uh, work uh, and oversee their agency partners, uh, setting architecture, design, and doing manual code reviews for security and quality. Um, we're going to talk about today is a project that we're working on for uh, a top 50 uh, uh, fortune company, fortune 50 company. Um, they are rebuilding their intranet 
and uh, real-time collaboration is a key component of it. Uh, and frankly, I, I can't believe that real-time collaboration isn't like a default feature in uh, every online application, certainly every CMS. When I think about my daily workflow, uh, I'm constantly working in something like Google Docs, collaborating with the team in real time. And I know a lot of people uh, were talking to another client about a project and they do all of their work in Google Docs and then just pump it into their uh, Django CMS. And so, you know, we really believe this is the future of a lot of applications and we're excited to be working on uh, this particular project. So we wanted to talk to everyone about it because it's got some awesome tech behind it. Absolutely, I agree. I think that real-time collaboration is one of those intractable problems. Uh, it's not quite on the level of some of the, you know, key problems in computer science, but it definitely is a very, very uh, a, a large problem set that actually hasn't been solved uh, completely over, you know, across the board. Google Docs obviously has solved a lot of those issues, but I want to dig a little bit more into why it is that we're all on this call, why it is that we're so interested in real-time collaboration. Um, obviously, it's something that is important to all of us, but can you tell us more about this Fortune 50 company and, and what some of the requirements are and, and, and what exactly real-time collaboration uh, means to them? Sure. Uh, so it's a gargantuan project, multi-year project. Uh, it's used by 20,000 active users at any one time across 200 countries in well over a dozen different languages. It interfaces uh, with a large number of third-party tools and systems from you know, centralized authentication, access control, um, through to you know, Slack integration, um, as well as integration with other third-party tools and, and a number of internal proprietary tools. Um, the idea is that you know, uh, we live in a world where you want to integrate the best technology for the job as opposed to you know, reinvent the wheel. And so uh, what this, uh, uh, you know, their new generation of their intranet is to really pull in and integrate all of these different systems into one place. Because the downside of integrating all these different applications is that it can be hard to collaborate and find things. If you have files in Box, if you have documents in Quip, if you have communications in Slack, you know, all these disparate systems you know, have different organizational structures typically are, are run by different groups and departments. And so uh, the idea is that the internet will be the central hub that pulls together all these tools and information, helps you find what you need, but also provides that, you know, universal search and collaborative layer on top of it. That's sort of like the meta system where you can talk about, you know, everything from, you know, and track the tasks and schedules to, um, you know, what your roadmaps and, you know, uh, sprint reports are for your particular initiative. So that's, that's actually a nice, really nice uh, Dilbert comic about it. Um, the way he's like, I need this document on my desk tomorrow, the um, boss says. And he's like, yeah, would you like it via Dropbox, via Box? We are mail, we are Slack, we are whatever, we are Skype. Right. And so I, um, find it. Uh, sometimes I work with a friend and we don't have a, an organization to work under with. And I sometimes wonder how can I send a large file, like just 100, 100 MB to my friend? It's like really hard right now, right? Yeah, it is really difficult. Um, and I think this really calls out one of the uh, things that you actually alluded to earlier, Mike, which was, you know, the fact that we have a lot of folks who are using CMSs as part of their daily workflows, but they need a real-time collaboration tool to bring it all together. I think the fact that 
you know, we've heard from a lot of folks that they use Google Docs before copying and pasting over to a CMS or over to their desired tool shows that this is really the nexus of where all of these interactions occur. And so um, I guess I'm curious, uh, you know, just to dive into some of the business requirements just briefly before we get into the technology. I know that's where we definitely want to spend a lot of time. Um, but why is it that something like Google Docs doesn't fit the bill for this use case? Um, so I, I can't too, talk too much about the company itself, but, um, you know, for uh, business reasons, they are, you know, unable to use Google Docs, their competitor company, um, and they can't have highly sensitive mission critical information on third party servers. Um, this entire application is air gapped, highly secure. Um, you know, they have uh, very different levels of projects, you know, from public to, you know, ultra secure. And, um, you know, there's even separation of data and communication. So things that are, you know, for the highly secure projects are stored on different servers and the real time communication goes through its own system. So, you know, there's everything from, you know, physical separation of data and information to, um, you know, air gap. And while they are able to use, uh, or sorry, not able to use Google Docs, the, the other reason is that they want this tightly integrated into the system. You know, you know a third party collaboration tool you know, whether it be Slack or, you know, Quip or Google Docs or something that sort of facilitates that collaboration has the same challenge and problem that we talked about earlier. And so by integrating this directly into their intranet, it's a core feature. Um, and I should also mention that they want to go well beyond text editing. We're working on uh, collaborative drawing, for example, so that you could have whiteboards, you know, in the future, you could have your, you know, agile Kanban boards, you know, show up on the system even though they're coming from a third party tool via APIs, you know, you can see that information. And so, you know, our goal isn't to replicate all of these systems in the internet, but to present you with the most mission critical information that you need as a glance and to then link you into these systems. You know, in the case of collaborative editing, you know, it's such a core feature uh, to enable teams to work together that it's built in. Also one of the challenges with using something like Google Docs always is um, access kind of. Um, being a large company, obviously, they have a central directory service where everything is managed as access. So you now need to enable this third-party system with um, this access. And um, that's pretty challenging because they're mostly scaled for a few users in that. Um, you invite your team, kind of, and then you work with them, collaborate with them on that. But then you need to put it back in the CMS, and there's this kind of gap between your workflow. So you're always like, and now you've published a version, but now some more changes need to be done. Who synchronized that? Who is dealing with that, etc. So it's, it's basically two systems you need to work with. And um, even for, for our workflows, uh, where Tech One had a Drupal watchdog before, uh, it was challenging and kind of what is the source of truth kind of uh, once you get to a certain point in that. Absolutely. I think the notion of something like real-time collaboration being built in, being an intrinsic part of an end-to-end -end system is, is, a, is a kind of key feature. But I think what you just alluded to in terms of permissioning and you know, having to figure out, having to reconcile user roles and permissions across two very different systems can be very challenging. And having the ability to do that in, in, a, in a way that is really integrated with the overarching system, I think, makes a lot of sense. So let's go a little bit away from the business requirements and let's dig into a little bit of, of the kind of uh, main concepts behind real-time collaboration. I know that all of us on this uh, webinar and podcast all know 
uh, some of the basic components. But just so we can bring it down to the level of, of uh, what some of the core fundamentals are, um, how does shared editing exactly work? How does this idea of real-time collaboration actually begin from the standpoint of clients, communication, concurrency? Um, where do we start with? What are the main elements that are involved? I do think we start um, very basic, um, just what, what is shared editing in general? And um, many companies also use already something like Etherpad, where you can just have some text and collaborate it. And I know we also used it for the Drupal community when we had challenging things to solve, just to facilitate note keeping a little bit in that. So the, the most basic thing about chat editing is really just text. It's not formatted text like Google Docs or something, it's really just text. And this is very simple. So you have an example of like, for example, I have the text written, this is some text, and now Michael wants to make it, this is some nice text. And, but I want to write a little intro, so I write, hello Preston, this is some text. And now you need to know a little bit about edit, how editors work, and an editor needs to know kind of how, how this works. So um, my hello would be inserted at position zero, so at the start, but Michael's nice would be inserted at position 12. But now, if, if, if I write before him, and the editor still thinks he should put it in at position 12, then it's wrong, because um, we kind of, um, the positions um, changed, because I've inserted some text, so everything has shifted a little bit. And the idea of CADTs here is um, that instead of having, having this position-based system, just on a very, very basic level. They're way more complicated, but just as the layman's explanation is that for every um, character, you're giving it an identifier. So, um, and this identifier is also a little bit how a human would, um, um, would uh, reduce this conflict, um, resolve this conflict. Um, because instead of saying, hey, insert this nice at position 12, you're just saying insert it after some. And that's basically the idea, kind of. And because of that, however the text changes, Michael's nice will always be inserted after the sum. And um, that's kind of how you can think about how, how you get shared editing to work in on a very, very basic level. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit about the communication. You know, I think that that was a very, very great explanation of you know, how, con how concurrency would function in this kind of environment. I'm curious though, you know, there's a notion of a difference in communication, you know, between how some of the traditional collaborative tools have worked in the past and how, let's say, YJS or some of the more modern tools uh, do it today. I know that, for example, in the past, you know, you know, the way that people would do this kind of collaboration would be through uh, a server and a client, but a centralized server that houses all of the information about what's changing and, 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 and manages all of those uh, uh, all of that, as you said, but one of the key differences that I noticed about YJS is that you know it's 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 focusing on a more peer-to-peer, -peer, a more decentralized approach. Um, do you want to talk more about that, Fabian or Kevin? What does that mean to uh, somebody who's evaluating some of these solutions? Right. Um, so the the classical approaches like Google Docs, uh, in general, operational transformation. <clears throat> It mostly works in a client-server um, environment. So you have a central point where you do all the transformations between the document updates. 
For example, a user inserts something at position zero, and another user inserts uh, un another character at position zero, the server decides how the document looks like at the end and does the transformation before sending it to the other peers. So there's like a limited concurrency because um, there's only concurrency between the server and the client. And uh, like it's pretty unfair because there are operational transformation approaches that do work peer-to-peer, -peer, but they have a lot of overhead, uh, a lot of metadata. And um, in CRDTs in general, the, um, you don't need a central point of transformation. Um, like all CRDTs, they um, allow for commun commutative operations. So it doesn't matter in which order your uh, changes come in. Um, the document will look the same for every peer as long as all the peers exchange all the document updates. And that's a really cool feature, right? Um, so you don't rely on a central server anymore. And you can actually scale your server environment. Uh, you can do really cool things with that. Um, most people think of peer-to-peer. -peer, like you have peers communicating directly with each other. And I'm a huge fan, fan with, uh, about that. But um, especially for businesses, uh, it makes sense to have a, a still a server environment, right? And here the advantage of YJS or CDTs in general is that you can scale your servers indefinitely. Did you know that Google Docs is limited to a limited number of users? I think uh, the limit of users who can concurrently edit the document is um, set to about 15 people. And after that, you will just see a copy of uh, some snapshot and maybe it gets updated. Um, I haven't looked into it for quite some time, but I know there's a, there's a limit, uh, and which is kind of strange. And the problem here is that you have centrality and you need to make sure that you do never lose document updates because the centrality is also your central point of failure. Uh, so if this point, like if this server burns down your hard disk, uh, your document is gone. You can never merge again. You can never restore that document. But in peer-to-peer -peer or decentralized systems, well, it doesn't matter if one system burns down, you still have another one. I think that single point of failure is a really key uh, and uh, worthy of emphasizing aspect here, which is that you know, one of the things that is a very key uh, concern for enterprises today and just you know, companies in general is uh, the notion of having the ability to keep things decentralized. If you have that central point of failure, everything falls over, you don't have access to anything. Um, and the notion, I think, of peer-to-peer -peer decentralized uh, shared editing allows for local copies of those documents to be on every single node, let's say, of every single you know, person who's working on the document. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Fabian. And e even if it's, if it's very, um different from how, for example, something like Git works, um, because it has very different properties, um, you can still use the same examples as advantages. For example, uh, one of the nice examples that um, is always quoted for Git is some developers can work on a plane together, they can collaborate on, on some code on the plane together because everyone has a whole repository of all changes. And that's kind of the same with YJS. Um, to some extent. You can optimize it to not have the whole history, um, but you can have the whole history. So two people um, that happen to be on the same uh, flight could real-time collaborate 
on that document and later send it back to the server kind of. Um, so, um, but um, they would not need need the central server component. They could just, just do it. They could, could work on the plane. And I think that's, that's a really cool feature. And not just two, it could be a whole company, like 15 people finishing a last minute document collaboratively and um, internet on planes has gotten better, yes. Um, but it would be really bad if you Google Docs free just suddenly while you're on that plane with SwiJS, you just have to guarantee that your, your personal server kind of, kind of works and uh, you can finish your last minute document. It was pretty amazing. We actually saw this in action unintentionally. <laughs> we were doing a demo to key stakeholders. We had just integrated the uh, real-time collaborative system, which we kind of built independently at first with Drupal, you know, the core of the internet. And we were doing a demo uh, of the system in action, completely in development environments. Like we're not, you know, we're pre-alpha, you know. And uh, during this demo, the, um, you know, uh, the, the server failed. Uh, yet the collaborative demo just kept going and working perfectly because it was, you know, peer-to-peer uh, -peer in the back end. And, uh, you know, the infrastructure engineer on the call was able to get the server back online. Um, and it was just absolutely, you know, seamless. Um, so it was really cool. You know, all of us were like, my God, like, we didn't intend to demo that. That was amazing. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think, Fabian, you mentioned something that was really key there, which is that uh, idea of a spotty connection, you know, obviously people working in flights. Um, that, you know, this, this case that you just described, uh, uh, Mike, as well, is a very good example of this. Um, you know, this kind of approach that, uh, focuses on the notion that everyone has a local copy, um, you know, just as you said, with, uh, you know, Git-based approaches as well. You know, this is, a, this is the kind of thing that even if you're in, uh, let's say, you know, the middle of nowhere um, and have a really horrible 3G connection, you can still get the editing capabilities and get that sync going and make sure that things stay up to date. Um, I think it's a very, very key uh, value proposition. So, I want to jump back into YJS itself because I think that a lot of people are really interested in operational transformation. A lot of people are interested in, you know, what what exactly CRDT is and all these things. But first, let's talk about a very key issue in collaborative editing that I think um, really uses a little bit of discussion, and that's the notion of an edit history. Um, one of the biggest challenges that uh, all content, uh, uh, you know, all people working in content governance and content strategy have is the ability to distinguish between um, different undo histories. So how, how does undo redo work in the context of shared editing versus single editors? And like, you know, how exactly does that work from the technical standpoint? Is there a global state? Um, what's driving that state? How do, you, how do you reconcile some of these things? And um, you know, we can talk about it from the perspective of YJS or, or other tools as well. Yeah, so, man, undo, redo, it's a really, really hard problem, especially in CRDTs. In operational transformation, this, uh, this problem is not that hard. You can just do undo, redo your own operations. You can just do the transformations and the document history, but you don't really have that history in YJS because, or in CRDTs because it just, um, it works differently. It's, it's not really operations that you put in a linear log, it's more like operations that are in some kind of tree and you can't really decide, okay, where do I need to start undoing? So um, the thing in YJS is, is um, yeah, so the way I implement it actually is um, in this tree, I give a path of the under redo operations. So I basically say, this is the kind of state that you need to remove. 
when you hit undo. And this is the kind of state that you need to add when you hit undo. Um, and this is basically how I manage it. it it's kind of complicated without deep diving into how YJS works. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mostly a, um, a solved problem at this point. Um, so the undo redo thing, it works on linear text really, really well. And there's great progress on structured documents like um, on ProseMirror, which is, yeah, it's one of the editors that YJS supports. Um, so there you basically have a structured document, a paragraph which has a table and the table has some um, uh, lists maybe, and there you type and hit undo. So um, you really need a good sense of what to undo and what, um, what, is, what the user expects when you hit undo redo. So um, yeah, there's great progress and the undo redo implementation is configurable. Uh, not saying that it's done yet. There's still uh, users reporting, oh, that's weird because it's, it's pretty new. Um, undo redo on structured documents. Yeah, and just to show how difficult Andrew Video is, you can do some great experiments with, um, with other out-of-the-box uh, solutions like Google Docs, can have lots of fun. Also with syncing, like conflicting things, um, like Google Docs has some offline support. And um, I've, I've taken the liberty to just test some scenarios, like you have a paragraph, a long one, and you end up break in the middle. And how does your system react? And it is really cool uh, to just try out this, like perfect product built on, on knowledge of, of giants with Google Wave and all the tech, techno, technological and theoretical things. And um, then you try some Android scenarios, you get some really weird results, <laughs> even in, in the top-notch product on, on the market right now. And it's, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, I think the notion of um, like what happens when you get a merge conflict or, or, or a sync conflict in Google Docs, it's always a fun experiment. It's, a, it's rare that I get those messages these days, but uh, it's, it's always an interesting uh, uh, experiment. Um, I did want to go back to something you just mentioned, though, Kevin. Um, so, you know, uh, and, I, and I do want to dwell a little bit on some of those really nitty gritty features of YJS and really do the deep dive. But I'm curious, you just mentioned that the undo redo behavior is actually configurable in YJS. Can you talk a little bit about how that is or what sorts of configuration can be expected? Oh, yeah. Um... So the thing is, in YJS, you have, um, so YJS basically, um, well, my idea of YJS is that um, you can see it as a shared type system. So you can create shared data types, something like an array or uh, a map with a, a key value store. And this, these data types, they work, um, concurrently so one user can manipulate them and the other one um, receives the updates and then they sync so this is how i see yjs and then there are bindings to editors like prose mirror and code mirror and like many others and um, often you have this big yjs structure and it may be a structure of several documents so um, when many users or when you are working on several documents at the same time uh, and then you hit undo, what do you expect uh, to, to happen? Um, does it also undo um, something from other documents? I, I don't think so. So in, in my mind, uh, I work on one document, I only undo the changes of that document. So this is what I mean of 
configure it, uh, being able to configure it, you can specify what can be undone by your undo manager. There can be several undo managers, several document histories for your, uh, for your local user. And you can specify what can happen and what cannot happen. And there are two ma uh, mentions in, in YJS. Uh, it's mainly if you have a scope to a specific data type. Uh, for example, this undo manager can only undo uh, stuff on this uh, document. And then you have a scope also of, um, so for example, what happens um, when I created a paragraph, you created like this big chunk of text in that paragraph, um, but I didn't know about that. And then I hit undo. Um, can, I, uh, can I undo the creation of that paragraph or not? And um, most users, as I found out, would say, no, uh, you should not delete content if you don't, uh, didn't create it. So in this case, you are not able to undo the changes of other users because sometimes these changes are intertwined. So, and the challenge here is to really figure out what is it, what users expect when you hit undo. That's very interesting. I think that that really digs at, I think the central issue of undo we do, which is that uh, people have different expectations of it. Um, and having that as a configurable element, I think is a very, very, uh, compelling idea. Well, okay, so let's dig, let's, let's dig out of undo history. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Fabian. And there's also one of the key points why we think that um, CMS itself should have the collaborative technology and like Drupal should have it out of the box as a contributed module, as a CMS should have it out of the box. It should be really as simple as install a JavaScript library like a plus module and maybe a little server component if you don't want to leave peer-to-peer. Um, but then the centralized point here is that every client, every user has their own expectations. They have their own challenges, they have their own things. And also all the editor space, even going ahead a little bit of what we want to go in more detail maybe in future episodes, um, they are not no longer shipping like those box editors. They are shipping editor toolkits so every CMS can build their own editor to their needs. Every client, every project can build their own editor. And I think that's a very, very key point to, um, to our current ecosystem of CMSs is that someone else might need completely different undo manager than I need or this project needs. And that's also the beauty of open source kind of you can just take it, refine it, extend it, and uh, do it in that. And um, that's so cool um, with YJS being open source that um, you just have this ability to do all this cool things. And yeah. I'm not sure if we have the liberty to do this, but can we dig into a few of these potential scenarios where um, having this kind of differentiated configuration would be useful? I mean, you know, Fabian, I think you, 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 know, you mentioned a very interesting idea, which is that different users want to have different approaches to how they edit. Um, how, have, how, you know, how have you both uh, seen this um, shake out in terms of the things that you've tried, experiments you've tried? Or Mike, you know, have, has this come up uh, in terms of use cases? What sorts of things um, have you all seen in the real world that relate to this idea of having completely independent experiences? So basically, um, Fersus Top 50 Fortune Client, um, it is customizability is key. 
it's very important that um, they have, for example, in this case, their own editor, which is exactly working to their needs. And the collaborative um, uh, functionality, um, this everything like you expecting uh, from Google Docs, like um, with comments and later even track changes, still working on that, uh, pretty challenging. Um, that's um, all very key in that. And it's important that, for example, if you do use a technology like React upon which you can build your editor, like think of uh, Confluence, which is built upon Atlas Kit. Um, and Atlas Kit is, by the way, also open source and uh, one of the components we're using here and uh, as base. And um, then you can extend it and you can build your own and you can, can customize it. And um, that was really a key central point to being able to not be, be stuck with some proprietary solution or be stuck with some out-of-the-box solution in where you cannot cannot define anything where you just get set a black box um, and then you have to work with it because then then if you need to change to the under thing well yeah you can pay a vendor for it obviously um, but um, it, it's really out of your control kind of and here you can work directly with the founder of IJS but uh, even later you could maintain it with a different team or whatever in that because it's accessible code and yeah another advantage of open source basically but yeah the extensibility and, and being able to for example also define the server component in this case the server component is needed even though peer-to-peer -peer would work and works well with the same browser or with an even cross browser with some yeah, tricks um, because you want for example authentication if you store confidential data in a shared editing thing you don't just want to um, be able to just access the server and and see it but really you want to uh, it's usually a node server by the way um, but really you want to have like authentication tokens like you're used from different apis where you can secure your server and um, then you can say um, yeah this operation is allowed or this operation is even not allowed so um, even being able as yjs messages are kind of even if it's not kind of like messages as some transformation sent over the wire kind of and then um, you could uh, deep inspect it and can say hey this is not allowed like this document was not touched for 300 days or whatever and now someone is deleting all content maybe deny that <laughs> or <laughs> keep a snapshot before that and and that's also so um so here central server is, is nice and needed because we want to have that control but it gives us this flexibility in that and you don't get that flexibility if you work just with a black box in that and like contr control is something that's like a key theme of this project this organization you know why we don't want to reinvent the wheel and, and rebuild certain awesome third-party technologies um, this client of ours has repeatedly been let down by vendors that have made commitments to you know, add certain features or do certain things over time. And one of the reasons that they're rebuilding this system and investing in these kinds of technologies is that the business cost of not being in control of sort of core technologies is huge. And so, you know, relying on open source projects, uh, being able to, you know, own and, and, and manage this code internally for their needs is critically important. You know, this is going to be a system that's going to be around for, uh, five plus years, the, the current system has been in place for uh, a little over seven. Um, and so, you know, a, a key recurring theme is we need to be able to have 
long-term maintenance and control over key aspects of our technology. Yeah, and I think, oh, sorry, go ahead, Kevin. All right, I, I just wanted to add, like one of the um, things that a lot of people appreciate and uh, when I talk to uh, people who use YJS is that you can easily use YJS on top of your existing communication protocol. So there are many existing projects that want to integrate collaboration into their system and they already have some kind of WebSocket uh, connection or long pulling set up and they want to use that system and for good reason. They don't want to change their whole infrastructure, add another um, communication layer like uh, some proprietary uh, WebSocket communication protocol and uh, build on that. They want to integrate YJS into their existing protocol and that's um, yeah, that's something that you can easily do uh, with YJS. And this is also something that Fabian talked about just now. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. That's, uh, that's um, I, I didn't think about it when I um, implemented like that, but um, it just came up that it is really well appreciated. And because of that, I put everything into separate modules. Like uh, YJS is split up into like 20 uh, modules right now. And when you uh, want to build a system, you basically say, okay, how do I communicate? Uh, okay, I, I use this existing module or I can rewrite my own module on top of the YJS code or uh, just on top of the documentation that you have. And uh, if you want to support your own editor, that's so easy because um, uh, it, the editor support is not baked into YJS. It's not just built for one thing, it's built for everything. And that makes it incredibly uh, difficult to do, but um, I think it's a really nice concept. Yeah, and, and speaking to that, the editor support, if you have a text area somewhere and you want to make collaborative, you can do that right now. There's a translator for a rich text area, like the content editable or just any text area. You can just take it, put, a, put, a, put YJS on it, and there's also a nice demo site. Um, you know, there will be some post information related to that with some links and that and there's a really cool there's even two demo sites one is really showing like Proltmova, uh, Quill um, and even Atlas Kids the whole confluence um, um, experience in that and um, but there's also shared editing for for a nice thing there's even a 3D modeling demo where you can together with friend do some 3D modeling it's insane it's, it's really insane also drawing it's like it's like it's like really cool so um, the, the possibilities are so endless and um, it's so nice that it's so framework agnostic, really not just editors and really not just one editor, but really you have a text area, you can use YJS, it will be collaborative, it, it works kind of. And even for older things, if someone wants to invest in that CK editor for, it would be possible in theory to make that collaborative. So people wouldn't even need to upgrade to newer technologies because um, yeah, it, it would need work, investment, et cetera, of course, but it's possible. Yeah, I think this notion of flexibility and customizability, um, but also especially this notion of pluggability, you know, where you can insert YJS into any situation and it works. Um, I think also the flexibility, you know, Fabian, you mentioned earlier that um, you know, in, in certain cases, you do want to have a server component that acts as the sync kind of mechanism, but you might not want one. And uh, YJS leaves that option open as well. Um, and I think just, you know, the, the, 
the notion of, of being able to you know, insert it agnostically anywhere you want is a very, very key characteristic. I think one of the key characteristics that we identified a little bit earlier but we haven't really dwelled on though um, is, is, is one that's very interesting to me, which is that you, know, you can use YJS for things like text. You can use YJS for text areas and content editable. But what about drawings and 3D modeling? Um, you know, I, I know, Kevin, you've, you've, um, you know, you've, you've sort of framed YJS as being for more than just text. Can you talk a little bit about the drawing capabilities? What, what does collaborative drawing mean, and, and how does YJS fit into that? Yeah, definitely. So um, this all comes from the idea that uh, YJS is not just um, for specific applications, but it's just a framework for uh, shared data types, right? You um, can build any application on data types because, well, that's what we usually do as developers, right? Uh, we have these key data structures, especially data in, in, white, in JavaScript. We have only two or three main data structures, which is arrays and maps. And um, you can build your own data structures on, on top of that. And they're abstractions, but basically you just have arrays and maps and maybe set is also something uh, that, well, I, I really like the idea of having a set too, but, um, and you have the same capabilities in YJS, but the difference is these data structures or data types, they are collaborative, they are shared. So when you do an edit to this data type, the change is transmitted to all the other peers automatically and then they sync and then you get updates of uh, what changed and you can design your application like that. Um, just use the shared data types and build your application. And uh, drawing was something that is really, really easy to implement on top of data types or shared data types. Uh, a line is basically just a list, of an array of vectors, right? Uh, so this is what uh, is happening uh, in the drawing demo. Uh, when you start drawing, you have a map, you insert a line to that map, and then you start drawing. Uh, it's really easy, and then you can maybe configure it by um, adding some options to the map, for example, the color, or um, uh, who created the line, uh, all these information. You can just add it to the shared data structure. And this is also how the 3D modeling is uh, created. It's, it's really basic, but it's really cool because it shows that everything you do, like, uh, rotating the 3D object, um, the rotation is a part of the shared data type. Um, you can add annotations, and these annotations are just XYZ values, and you add this to the shared data structure. And uh, just like this, you can build amazing applications just um, on top of this idea. Yeah, I was thinking about the classical React example, the to-do list. <laughs> And the to-do list basically, um, which is also often shown for Redux uh, data stores, like, like with the transformations, etc. And now put this final array that you put your data in, or this final map, probably an array in this case, put that into a YJS data structure, and it's automatic, kind of almost automatically collaborative. That's just great. Is, uh, is one of these in particular harder than the others? Is uh, collaborative text editing actually harder than drawing? Um, so collaborative text editing, I, like I want to distinguish between text editing and rich text editing because um, text editing is pretty easy, right? Um, it's, it's harder than having, uh, it's 
3D model, or <laughs> uh, like in my opinion, like from my perspective as a developer of YJS, it is harder because um, text editing, you need to optimize that a lot to make it uh, performant and don't block the thread. You want to be able to insert like uh, a megabyte of text into your data structure. And that's not always easy. Um, first of all, because of the um, uh, time it takes to send to the other peers, but also to the time it takes to parse that operation, that change. So text data structure is heavily optimized in YJS, and that's why it's performant. Um, for you, <coughs> it's as easy as the array, uh, as using the array data structure. Yeah. Um, rich text, on the other hand, it's, it's a bit weird because um, you can either have structured documents. Um, this is what I think of uh, in Prosmera is like you have a paragraph, you have it inside that, you have a table and so on. And uh, then you have also um, formatting attributes to your text. Um, so when you write a text, hello world, and you want to make world bold, um, so you don't remove the bold text and add some text about uh, text, like in HTML, around this uh, word world, you want to assign attributes to this text. And this is also possible in YJS, it's like, this rich text notion uh, from the classical windows, uh, uh, I think they developed the term rich text, um, you assign attributes to text. And uh, this is also one of the problems here. And like, as soon as you realize that this is going on, you can either have structured documents or rich text documents or both combined in, in Prosmera, they are kind of both combined. You have marks, so you can assign properties to, to text. And um, as soon as you realize what's going on here, um, it's fairly easy to, um, to build applications on top of that. But building editor support, like that's, uh, that's a, a, not, a whole different um, level for if you build a structured uh, editor support, for example, for Prosmera, it was really, really hard to get right. Yeah, um, and speaking of, of performance um, for inserting, we did a test and if you take a really, really long document, you paste it 10 times into Google Docs, uh, it takes longer and longer, it takes around seven seconds. And with YJS and CRTGs, it's instant. It's really, it's really just, just instant. I, I was astonished. Like, I also test some other things, um, which I don't name, to not shame, um, but um, there was even able to, to freeze, to completely freeze the collaborative editor and it, it was not reacting anymore after a while and, and Andrew was a troll and it's it, just not a pleasant experience. It was so nice to see this just working so well with YJS. Uh, which one was one of the key points where I was, I was able to, um, to present to stakeholders um, they were evaluating the technology on the client side um, with me uh, to say, hey, <laughs> this is really working great in practice. Just try pasting a big document. Now try the same in Google Docs. It's like difference of night and day. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's interesting is if you look at um, YJS in relation to some of the other tools that are out there and available, um, you know, I know that, uh, for example, one of the, uh, you know, some of the very common tools people use out there are things like CK Editor uh, 5, um, uh, Prose Mirror Collab, as well as DraftJS. Um, 
But one of the things I know is that there are certain features that are lacking. I know that you don't want to name and shame, Fabian, but um, I'm curious, you know, what makes YJS superior? One of the things I know, for example, that YJS does better is, is one thing you mentioned earlier, Kevin, around uh, content annotations and being able to um, directly apply those annotations. What, what are some other examples of, of how YJS, um, you know, is, is better than some of these other solutions and stacks? Uh, you know, like ShareDB, AutoMerge, um, the CK source uh, service. Um, what are some of the things that, that uh, you both found um, uh, were either better in YJS or, or lacking in others or things that you noticed? First of all, just to, to get it out of the picture, the CK source solution, unfortunately, is proprietary. It's a server black box. Um, you have to pay for it, which is fine. That's fine. But um, as I've already outlined a lot in this call, um, open source is just better. <laughs> because, um, well, I mean, Drupal is open source. Um, many technologies are open source and those open source technologies, they thrive because companies invest in them. They major and everyone can use them then and that's so important. So that puts out the proprietary solutions. They might be useful for the one or each um, project of that, but they're not useful in my mind to the larger community in that. And for Automatch, JDB, I let Kevin speak <laughs> as the expert. Um, yeah. Um, so about uh, these two projects, like ShareDB, it was always my goal to be as good as ShareDB. Uh, it's a really cool project. And I was inspired a lot um, of the features they have because I also have the notion that you can just manipulate your data and then everyone gets synced up. And I love that idea. At the time when I created YGS, um, they didn't support, um, for example, um, objects as a key value store. So and this was like, okay, um, it can't be so hard to implement that. And I also want to make it peer-to-peer. -peer. So this is why I created YGS. And it only took me six years to do that, but that's fine. Um, so um, I think, um, YGS against ShareDB, um, they're both great projects, um, but ShareDB is um, based on operational transformation, which is centralized, and I always love the idea of having a decentralized system. And uh, AutoMerge, also a really cool project. Um, I, I li really like the maintainer of that project. He is really active in the research community, and he's a lot more credible than I am in like the papers he created. He is a really good writer. And if you get the chance and are interested in CRDTs, you should definitely check out one of his talks about CRDTs because he really explains it well, how it works. But now against uh, uh, AutoMerge, right now AutoMerge is not as performant as YJS. That's just what I want to say there. Um, YJS is really focused on shared text editing. Um, and AutoMerge also supports text editing, but it's not as fast. Um, I created some benchmarks. Maybe we can link that too. Uh, you can also find it on the GitHub repository of YJS. Um, but yeah, these are the main reasons against that. It's, it's, it still needs to be seen which algorithm is better. But the thing is, in YJS, I had more time to create YJS, and I, um, I implemented a lot of optimizations, especially for shared text editing. Yeah, and that's also a very important point. In, um, if you want to build a collaborative system for any application with a JSON structure, try out AutoMatch, try out YJS, 
we are open source. <laughs> you, there's always a good solution for, for your um, project uh, that you need. Um, but if you want to do text editing, then YJS gives you this undo manager. It gives you this, um, these functionalities for rich text. Um, it gives you this control. It gives you these, this basic server component that you need. With Automatch, it's, you build everything your own. You can do that. It's fine. It, people have done that with certain editors. But it's really YJS gives you a head start in, in a framework to work with shared editors here, especially. Yeah, and, and this is really interesting. You know, I think one of the things, uh, and, and by the way, just to um, help, our, help our viewers and our listeners, um, we keep on throwing the CRDT acronym around. Um, uh, it's actually one of the big reasons why uh, I think YJS is so compelling. Um, CRDT, by the way, stands for Commutative Replicated Data Type. Um, you can look at it uh, on Wikipedia in the Operational Transformation article. Very, very useful. But I think just to dig into CRDT a little bit briefly, um, I think one of the really key aspects of YJS that we've obviously been touching on here and there is the fact that uh, because of this uh, focus on data types, it's very powerful for rich text editing, more so than some of the, uh, 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 you know, especially for those who need more than just the plain text editing feature. But I think this is actually just one example of some of the really interesting features in YJS. I actually, one of the things that I found really interesting is because of that kind of agnosticism and because of that focus on that kind of uh, you know, lower level, we actually find that um, you know, other things are possible with YJS, like using multiple document formats. Um, you know, so you could use rich text, you could use markdown, you could use HTML, anything that's kind of a parsable, you know, uh, uh, a parsable AST. What I'm curious though is that uh, there's a topic very near and dear to my heart, which I know that, uh, that Kevin, you focused on, which is actually the notion of accessibility. Um, so I'm curious, you know, how exactly uh, does accessibility work in the context of real-time collaboration for YJS, um, especially given the fact that, you know, rich text editing, real-time collaboration, both very, very difficult things to do in an, in an accessible way. Um, are you using things like ARIA labels? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on accessibility with real-time collaboration? So accessibility is firstly a, a, an issue for all the for the editors. Um, so YGS is not really uh, concerned about uh, accessibility because it's not really part of the um, framework. But if the editor supports accessibility, then it, it's uh, baked into YGS. By the way, uh, uh, no, actually that's all I want to say about that. And um, most editors nowadays are really accessible. Uh, so there's not a lot of concern there. Um, I'm also not an expert in accessibility, but I'm, I'm also really concerned about uh, what happens when you hit undo redo, for example, which is, by the way, not working in, um, in Google Docs or in most editors. Uh, try hitting ed edit and then undo in Google Docs. It doesn't work. Um, and now figure out why. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Wow. But maybe this is uh, part of the discussion when we talk about editor support, uh, like, or which editor we cho choose, uh, tech one, and for the con company that we contract for. Yeah, I know so that. We'll do a, a follow-up talk on that. Um, I think that the whole editor component, we did a ton of research. Uh, so maybe we'll do a, a tag talk next on the whole editor component and how we ended up with Prosmere and the integration of all that. 
Yeah, because that's an area I'd love to dig into in terms of, you know, pros mirrors, capability, you know, CKDR also has really great accessibility features, but how that relationship comes together, you know, how um, YJS really integrates with some of these editors and how those features get uh, exposed, that's a really interesting topic that I know we're going to have to save for next time. So uh, in these last few minutes here, we're, we've, we've covered a lot of ground here. We've covered um, real-time collaboration. We've covered some of the problems with concurrency in these editing tools. We've also talked about CRDT from a very, very high-level standpoint. Um, I'm curious now, you know, I think one of the things people are interested in is, well, what is the future of YJS, Kevin? You know, what exactly do the next couple years hold for YJS? Um, what are some of your goals in the future moving forward? Oh, my goals. Um, like, my goal is to create uh, editor support for all major editors uh, out there right now. Uh, there's currently editor support for like the bit, big text edit or code editors like Ace and um, Code Mirror, and there's rich text editors, for example, Prose Mirror and Quill support. Uh, there are um, many interesting um, additions to YGIS, um, and I want to increase that number. I want a lot of people using that technology because um, if you use YGIS as like the entry point for uh, for your data model, you can uh, have different uh, text editors. For example, you can have Code Mirror and Ace, like one user uses that and the other uses, uh, uses a different editor. And that's a really interesting idea for me. Uh, the other thing is, well, what I'm really interested in is uh, real decentralized systems. And there's mainly um, the DOT project and the IPFS project and building on top of that system, like each centralized system, that's, wow, it's, it's, so, um, it's so amazing. You can build an application without a central server, only having, um, well, peers, like compute, like just uh, working stations uh, match, mesh together and they um, somehow create an environment where you can store data. And that's uh, very interesting to me. I think that is a very, very compelling idea that I'd love to talk more about with you, uh, Kevin. Um, yeah, the idea of having a completely serverless implementation, I think, is, is, is very interesting. Um, well, you know, I did want to uh, say that we are out of time. Um, however, you know, I think uh, one of the things I wanted to call out is something, Fabian, you said at the very beginning of this uh, whole uh, broadcast, which is, you know, this should be something that's part of every CMS and online application. We should be building interfaces that are editable. We should be really enabling these content editor workflows. And I think, you know, clearly YJS has the right idea, has the right uh, journey in mind. And I can see, you know, given that uh, uh, Tag1 is focused not just on Drupal, but also all of these other technologies and, and building things like potential Node.js backends for uh, these editors, all of that sort of work really highlights, I think, the, the notion that, you know, Real-time collaboration is a very important concern for, for everybody, not just developers, but also our content editors and our marketers who are working with us on a daily basis. Um, any last words about real-time collaboration? YGS, something you want to leave uh, our viewers and listeners with? I think it's just an awesome technology and um, really, even repeating myself, um, it is such a difference if you start using the system, even if we are just in demo mode as we're pre-alpha, um, 
to just collaborate with someone within the Drupal CMS. It feels so different to being in Google Docs or being isolated because it's, it's where you create your content normally. It's where you work together. Um, it's the usual tools. You can attach a file directly. You don't have to upload it to Google Docs and later upload it to Drupal. You, you really have the experience in that you can use your media browser. You can use your media browser, your whole media library that's on the CMS, it's not in Google Docs. You select your file, it's inserted, and it's collaborative. You appear to see it as well. And I think that's just fantastic. And that's why I'm saying real-time systems for editors, but also real-time updates. Like I made an update, you see that I made an update directly on your screen. Um, that's kind of, in my mind, the future of CMSs and in a way also the web. And this I is agree. intended to be uh, like a CMS independent solution. You know, we look forward to adding this to Django and Wagtail, to WordPress. You know, every every CMS should have this. Um, I'd also say that we, we just scratched the surface of all of these technologies. Um, I think this is a really interesting conversation. So we'll definitely set up some future talks. Uh, to dig more into the details, whether it's the editor or the underlying tech to get into the nitty gritty. Absolutely. I think that um, today we've done a very good overview of the, um, the what, the how, and the YJS. Um, and uh, I want to go ahead and uh, wrap things up here. Um, if you have any thoughts on how this show went, you're interested in certain topics, please feel free to reach out to us. Um, I want to thank our guest today, uh, Fabian Franz, Senior Technical Architect and Performance Lead at Tag1. Also, Kevin Jans uh, joining us all the way from Berlin, right? Um, uh, the creator of YJS, as well as uh, a key expert and contributor to real-time collaboration. And of course, uh, uh, my partner in crime, Michael Myers, Managing Director at Tag1. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you next time for Tag1 Team Talk. Thank you. <laughs>